This is a presentation of Redemption Bible Church. For more information, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org. Well, so this morning, we're going to continue our series of the spiritual rhythms of the Psalms, looking at six spiritual rhythms or practices in the Psalms that deepen our awareness of God and our affection for God. Right? They, they guide us in our pursuit of Jesus. And we began, our, uh, we began our series looking at the practice of worship in Psalm 66. And we saw that worship really is just a response to who God is and what God has done. And that leads us to worship with a posture of gratitude and joy and, and openness before God. And, and we're putting each one of these to practice over this series. And so we've asked everyone to arrive at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, not 10, not 10.15, but 9.30 for a number of reasons. One, so that you can prepare your heart to worship. You come in ready to worship. Number two, so that we can pray together in the lobby. And it's been so incredible seeing that lobby filled with people these last few weeks, praying together at 9.30, praying for our service. But also gives us an opportunity to meet someone new to you. But then I think the best part that I really noticed this morning, which was it was like 9.57. And there was talking going on throughout the room. The light was shining in. You had already had your coffee. You got carb loaded with some donuts. It was special this morning, and you could hear it. It was though we got to experience it differently this morning. That's why I thank you for that. The second week, we looked at the practice of examine in Psalm 139, and we saw three reminders of who God is, right? We saw that he's omniscient, knowing everything about you, he is omnipresent, that he's everywhere with you, and that he's omnipotent, having created you. And that impacts how we relate to God. And if you remember, I made you do what may have been the most uncomfortable thing in your time in church here in a while. I made you say those statements out loud, affirming them to be true, that God knows you, that you are not alone because he is with you, and that God loves you. God loves you. And then we put that practice into practice by praying out that psalm each evening through the practice of examine. And then last week, we looked at the practice of Sabbath in Psalm 92, and we saw the, the reason for Sabbath, which is simply delighting in who God is and what he has done, delighting in his very good creation. And then we saw the result of Sabbath, of, of receiving this gift and delighting in the giver of the gift. And then we're putting that into practice over the course of the rest of the series, over the course of the month of February, asking everyone to plan and prepare and, and most importantly, to enjoy a Sabbath this month. But do you start to notice, like, does it feel like the sermons are becoming rather repetitive as of late? Like, it's just all about who God is and what God has done. And I promise you it's not because I'm getting lazy. I promise you I'm not, uh, it's not an accident. I'm not just trying to reuse last week's outline each week. No, it's because the stories and the, the poems and the, the letters that make up this book that God chose to reveal himself through, it's because they're repetitive, aren't they? See, this, this, this book here, what we call the Bible, um, it's not 66 disconnected separate books. It's one book, isn't it? It's, it's not a random collection of stories, but a single story, a true story, a story that is all about God. It's a story about who God is, it's a story about what God has done, and it's a story 
about all God has promised to do. It is a, a story of, of God's redeeming love, of his restoring of his fallen creation. And, and that changes the way that we view this book, doesn't it? It changes the way that we approach it, the way that we read it. It, it changes the way we come and spend time with God in his word. And that's what I want us to see this morning as we continue our series, Spiritual Rhythms of the Psalms, turning to this portion of Psalm 119 and looking at this, the regular rhythms of reading and memorizing and meditating on Scripture. And so this morning, we're going to see what God's word is, and then we're going to look at what God's word does, seeing how it changes us. It transforms our life, changing the, the way that we think, the way that we live, and the way that we view spending time with God here in his word. And so let's start with looking at talking about what God's word is. And so what is it? What, what is this book? What is it about? What, why should we read this book? Well, the psalmist begins here in verse 97 saying, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Now, um, Psalm 19 is an interesting psalm. Uh, it is the longest of the 150 psalms that we have. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, but it's also the most unique. Uh, I really do think Psalm 119 is poetry written by an engineer, and here's why. There's 22 stanzas, remember the number 22, and each stanza has eight verses, which, as one of you pointed out to me this morning, Pastor Ash, are you going to preach all 176 verses? No. Um, I don't know if I'd have time to read all 176 in, in the time. But there's 22 stanzas, and each stanza is connected to one of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And each line of that stanza begins with that word. And so our passage here this morning, uh, you notice that the, the header mem, that's the Hebrew word mem. And so how in verse 97 begins with the word mem. Commandment in verse 98 begins with the Hebrew word mem. But this psalm, it's, it's all about celebrating God's law, the commands that he's given, the words that he's spoken. And that's what he's doing here in this passage. He says, oh, how I love your law, how I love your, your instructions, your teachings, all you've revealed, as it says in the message. He's declaring here that he is devoted and committed and submitting to all God has said, every word. And he doesn't do this reluctantly, does it? No, he does this willingly. He does this passionately and affectionately, even to the parts he doesn't agree with, the parts he doesn't understand, the parts he doesn't like. And it has become his meditation all the day, continually reflecting on it throughout the day. But why? What makes this book, these words, so special? Like, why should we care? Why, why should we read this book? It's because of who spoke these words. It's because of who these words reveal, words spoken by God, words that reveal God. Fleming Rutledge writes, the Bible is unique among books because it is written from God's point of view. And that claim could not be made if it were not for one conviction, that God has truly revealed himself in his word. And so we read more to know God more, don't we? Not to know more about God, but to know God more. 
And so while the the words of Scripture, they are, in fact, breathed out by God, as Paul writes, written in this beautiful dance, if you will, between the human mind and the Holy Spirit, while they were, in fact, written for us, they were not written to us, and they were not written about us, were they? No, they were not initially written to us. They were not written to you. No, they were written to people who lived in another time, in another place. So take uh, the book of Philippians, for example. Philippians is, is a letter that Paul wrote uh, about 2,000 years ago to a church in the Macedonian city of Philippi. It was not initially written to us. It was also not written primarily about us, was it? It's not a book about us. It's a book about God. It's a book about who God is and what God has done and what God has promised to do. And while it was not written to you, while it was not written about you, it was most definitely written for you. That's important clarification to make. It wasn't written to you, it wasn't written about you, but it was written for you. It was written for us, not for you as an individual, but for us as a people, showing our need of a Savior, as if we needed reminding. I think we get that part. It shows us our need for a Savior. But it also shows us God's promise of a Savior, doesn't it? That's what the kids looked at in in Redemption Youth all last fall, is God's promises, his commandments. But then it also tells us that Christ is our Savior, the fulfillment of those promises. And it shows us then how we, as God's people, as his children, how we are to relate to God, right? How we are to relate to ourselves, and how we are to relate to to each other, but not only that, how we are to relate to the world, how we are to relate to all God's creation. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbor as what? Ourself. It's about loving, isn't it? He gave us words to help us love. And think back, you guys remember the days when um, we used to write letters or cards by hand? You remember that? Long ago. Well, we used to do that, for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about. And um, the, the, there were two summers before we got married where Jill and I were apart. I was actually here working at Motorola, and she was back in school at, at Iowa State Names. And I have a box filled with cards that she sent and letters that she wrote. Oh, yeah. But you know why? Because they revealed who she is. Her words revealed to me who she is. I love those words because of that. I read those words more than once because of that. And the same is true with Scripture, isn't it? Like, we love these words because we love the one who spoke these words. We love these words because we love the one who revealed himself in these words. And we read these words because they, they deepen our awareness of God in our lives. We read them because they deepen our affection for God. It, It is, as Eugene Peterson writes, loving God enough to stop and listen carefully to what he says. I think that begins to change the way in which we read this book, the way in which we approach this book. It's not about studying God. It's about spending time with God. It's not about learning more about God. It's about loving God more, isn't it? It's not just about knowing more, but it is about becoming more and becoming more and more like Christ. That's what spending time in God's word 
does. It changes us. It transforms us. And the psalmist, he goes on to show us three ways that spending time with God in his word changes us. The way we changes the way we think, the way that we live, and the way that we view our time with God in his word, changing and forming our thoughts, our actions, and our beliefs. And so let's look at these three. The first, spending time with God in his word, it changes the way we think. Gaining, as it says, both wisdom and understanding, more wisdom and more understanding than our enemies, than all the teachers even, and, and, and the aged, those who have not turned and trusted in God's word. Forming that mind of Christ within us. Okay, but how? How does this happen? Right? Let's get to that. How, how, how does spending time with God in his word change the way we think? Well, he gives us three ways for that. Let's look at those. And the first here, he says in verse 98, is, is by memorizing God's word, by storing it up, right? He says, your commandment, it makes me wiser. How? It's ever with me. It's always with you wherever you go. Even when you forget your Bible, even when you forget your phone, it's there with you. Because as he says back in verse 11, I've stored up your word in my heart. As it shapes the way we Love the way that we live and the way that we think. Memorizing. And like, please be honest, memorizing's hard, isn't it? Memorizing's hard. There's a reason we're not Hollywood actors and we're instead here living in suburban Chicago. There's a lot of reasons. One of them is we probably wouldn't do well memorizing our lines. It's hard. But yet at the same time, I want you to think about when you think about all the TV and movie lines you have memorized. Let's be honest, most of us could probably recite an episode of The Office up here right now. Um, I am the most annoying person to watch Top Gun with because I'll say every line a half second before it's going and don't even get started on the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> Got those memorized. Got music lyrics memorized. Man, I have like terabytes of 90s lyrics stored up here and I can't, I can't get them out until the music starts going but once the beat gets going, I got them, all of them. I even saved a little room for Taylor Swift. We've memorized our stats of our favorite sports teams and players. And it's because we spend so much time watching and listening and reading that we, we memorize it without even realizing we're doing it, don't we? We are saturated with it. What if we saturated ourselves with God's word? Because I think the same thing happens when we spend time with God and his word. It, it becomes a part of who we are, etched into our mind, etched in, into our heart, permeating every aspect of our being, transforming what we think and what we say and what we pray. You will begin to pray God's word without even thinking it. You'll begin to pray lyrics to the songs that we sing without even thinking it. We begin to take on the vocabulary of God. His words become our words, don't they? But I want to add a clarification here. Um, this isn't just about storing up your favorite words, but storing up all his words. And what I mean by that is rather than memorizing individual verses where we are prone without knowing it to take the text out of its context and turning it into a proof text, that we can sometimes fire back at others. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as I lay on the bench press. Rather than memorizing individual verses, can we do the hard work of memorizing passages 
memorizing chapters, memorizing books. And it sounds daunting at first, but we're going to talk about that later on. It's, it's not as daunting as you think. Do you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. We're going to memorize passages and books one verse at a time. Let's memorize and store up God's word. But the second way he gives us here is by meditating or reflecting on God's word. He says in verse 99 that I have more understanding. Why? For your testimonies, they are my meditation. They are my thoughts. They are my prayers. And so, like, it's one of those words we use a lot, but like, what does it mean to meditate on Scripture? I'm glad you asked. I'd like to tell you. If you've been with us these past few months since last fall, um, you've been doing this maybe without even knowing it. Because each Sunday after we have received God's Word, what do we do? We, we reflect on God's Word. We reflect on His Word through our own corporate version of an ancient practice known as Lectio Divina. What is Lectio Divina, Pastor Ash? I'm glad you asked. It is a Latin phrase that simply means spiritual reading. It is a slower, uh, more reflective and contemplative, prayerful reading of a smaller passage of Scripture, a practice that, that goes back to the third century with Origen and Ambrose and Augustine. And it, it might be the most un-American way that we could read our Bible. And here's what I mean by that. Because instead of reading more and faster... We're reading less and slower. And we're not simply studying and examining the text from the outside, but entering into and being formed by the text from the inside. Because see, I think we become so concerned with that we are reading. We become so concerned with how much we are reading that we've lost sight of how to read. Eugene Peterson, in his book, uh, Eat This Book, a conversation on the art of spiritual reading, he refers to this practice as a type of reading that enters our souls as food enters our stomachs. And it spreads through our blood and becomes holiness and love and wisdom as we metabolize these words. And our version of this ancient practice really consists of five steps that we go through most Sundays, beginning with opening. Right? Opening ourselves to God, which is what prayer is. It is opening ourselves to God. Positioning our body, preparing our hearts, and praying the simple breath prayer of, of young Samuel that we take from 1 Samuel 3, saying, Here I am, Lord. Speak to me. Speak to me through your word and through your spirit because I am ready to listen. Opening. Second step is listening. We take a smaller passage, a few verses, and, and as we slowly read the passage, we're asking um, the Spirit to draw us to a word, to a phrase that's standing out to us. And then we spend a couple of minutes with that in silence. And then the third step is reflecting. we reflecting on that word, reflecting on that phrase, and, and reading the passage a second time and asking God, um, what is it you're trying to say to me in this passage about who you are, about what you have done, or about what it is that you promised to do? And then we listen as the Spirit continues leading. There's a lot of Holy Spirit in this, isn't there? And I think that's what makes it a little uncomfortable at times. It's also what makes it so incredible as well. Because the fourth step then, we, we get to responding. We read the passage a third time now, and we ask God, like, how are you inviting me to respond? How are you inviting me to live this out, to take that next step of faithfulness and obedience in loving you and in loving others? And then we sit in silence again. 
And then we close with step five of giving thanks to God and closing in prayer, giving thanks for his word, giving thanks to God for this time together in his word, giving thanks for hearing his voice through his word and feeling his presence through his spirit. But I want to add a little clarification here. Like, I'm not saying that this is the one and only way to ever read scripture ever again. No, this is one of many ways to read scripture. For example, um, any of you ever try to read through the Bible in a year? I said try. It's okay. You didn't have to get all the way through it. You could have fallen off at Leviticus. Um, I read through the Bible about every five years to try and read through it cover to cover, just to get that, that glimpse again, that reminder of it as a single story. And to help me do that, I typically use this really incredible um, reader's edition that Jill and her family got me uh, for my birthday one year, where the, uh, the reader's edition, all the chapter and verse markings, gone. All the headers, gone. And so the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, guess what? Reads like a letter. And you don't pay attention to those, what can become distracting marks. But then other times, I, I just pick a, a book, and I'll read through that book over and over and over and over again in a month. Every week, I'm, I'm studying the passage. I'm reading a different way. I'm studying the passage that I'm going to preach, trying to understand the culture and the context, who it is that it was written to and why it was written, what it said to them about who God is and what God has done. I read and learn from commentaries. I read and learn from other pastors and, and theologians. And then another thing, um, each week for my preaching passage, I'm always reading multiple translations. I'll read through the ESV that I typically preach from, but I'll also read through the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. I'll read through the NIV, um, the New International Version, and then I always read through the message. And it's neat to see how we've attempted to translate the original Hebrew and Greek in there. And sometimes someone will use a word that, that lodges something loose more than another translation. So it's not the only way to read. But another thing I want to encourage you to do is, is don't read alone. However you read, read with others. And I don't mean like you got to get together in a room and read. But as you're reading, as you have questions, as you have thoughts, as you have things that, that come to mind that you are learning Pull others into that. Pull others in. And if you are working in here uh, throughout the week, you'll be like, why is Ash always yelling Marco out loud? It's because I'm really sending a signal out to Robin and Tim to come into my office because I have a question for them about the sermon right now and about the passage. I got questions about the Greek. Tim, Marco! Got, got a question about how I think I want to apply this. Robin, Marco! And then sometimes they just don't answer and then I have to text them. And I'll text Rob, Marco, and then I'll put in parentheses, sermon. Let's not read this alone. We good with that? Let's read it together. That's, that's kind of what, I thought the Spirit was calling me to pack up and move to Timbuktu in the midst of this. That's how he's calling me to respond. We should invite others in for some wisdom and discernment in that, right? Maybe he is calling you to go to Timbuktu. Maybe he's calling you to stay put right where he's already got you. But spending time with God in his word, it changes the way we think. Memorizing and meditating on scripture but also, here's, by living out God's word changes the way we think. He says in verse 100, I understand more. How? By keeping your precepts. Most of us here, I think uh, we learn best by doing, don't we? It's like you can tell me all you want, but until I do it, I won't really actually get it. We, we gain a new perspective through new experiences. Uh, for example, on Friday, um, 
we, we took a group of people out uh, to our favorite Indian restaurant, a new one that opened up on Arlington Heights Road that um, so, some folks wanted to experience a bit more of Indian culture and food, and so we, we took them because we eat Indian food about every week anyway. Um, and it was really fun. Like Rob got to tell stories, uh, and it was more than just picking food off a menu. We learned by doing, and I think the same is true with God's word. We learn more of God's will as we live out more of God's word, don't we? The message says, uh, I've become wiser simply by doing what you tell me. Hear me, this is not um, obeying God more because you've grown in your standing of God's word. No, this is understanding God more because you've grown in your obedience to God's word. Does that make sense? But oftentimes we cross those, don't we? I won't obey until I understand, when in reality, the understanding comes through obeying. But that can be a little scary, can't it? It requires a significant amount of faith and trust in God. Obeying the what without understanding the why. Living out the what, even when you don't understand, or even when you disagree with it. As Peterson goes on to say in his book, a simple act of obedience will open up our lives to this text far more quickly than any number of Bible studies, dictionaries, and concordances. Hear me, he is not saying those things are bad. They are good. But sometimes we can use them to defer our obedience, can't we? It's not the what, it's the why. But as you enter God's word... It enters into you, and it changes the way you see God and the way you see the world, seeing it through the lens of Scripture, seeing it more and more the way God sees it, and it changes the way you think, the way you think about God, the way you think about the world, thinking with the mind of Christ, because what we see next is that spending time with God in his word, it, it not only changes the way you think, but it changes the way that you live, right? It, it, it guides our lives, so to speak. Take... Um, like a, a Tomorrowland Speedway at Disney World, for example. Tomorrowland Speedway is this racetrack with cars that go about two miles an hour. And along this winding track is a rail. And when you drive the car, you get to steer it. Um, but if you steer too far to the left, you, you bang the rail and it brings you back. And if you veer off too far to the right, you bang the rail and it brings you back. And God's word provides in some sense, those guardrails, this psalm says, right? Keeping us from sliding into danger and veering off course, holding, holding our feet back from every evil way, he writes, in order to keep your word. It brings us from going off course, but then also guiding us back to God, not turning aside from your rules. And I think that changes the way that we view God's law, his rules, his commands, Viewing them not as restrictive, but as protective, aren't they? Viewing his law as loving. And here's why. If um, you ever put together Ikea furniture, if Ikea sold you this take home and assemble yourself furniture, but forgot to or just didn't put in any instructions, would that be very loving of Ikea? Would it? I mean, some of you might think, like, yeah, this should be more fun. I can just make it the way I want to. No, it would not be loving. And so if God created you, which 
Side note, he did. Um, but he created you without any guidance whatsoever of how to live. Would God be loving? Yes or no? No. The correct answer there is no. See, God having created us, the creator of all, he, he knows what is best for us. He, he knows what is good for us and what is dangerous for us. And so rather than keeping us guessing, rather than leaving us to figure this out on our own, he has revealed his will. He has revealed the way to live that is best for us, and he's revealed it to us here in his word. He goes on to say in verse 105, your word is a, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path as we walk through the darkness of this world. We're not having to guess. We're not having to stumble and step on Legos in the middle of the night in this world. Amen? But this isn't your doing. This is God's doing. He says, for you have taught me. You have taught us through your word. You have taught us through your spirit. Opening our eyes to see and our ears to hear you. Opening our mind to understand and our heart to love you. Spending time with God and his word, it changes the way we think. It changes the way we live. And that leads to changing the way that we view scripture, the way that we view spending time with God and his word, the way that we view this book and reading this book and why we read. He says in verse 103, he says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It's a really odd way to describe the Bible, isn't it? You ever eat paper? Doesn't taste sweet. And yet that's exactly what God said to the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 3. He's like, eat this scroll. And Ezekiel's like, man, that thing was as sweet as honey. He didn't do it just once. He said it again. He said it to, um, said it to the apostle John in his, in his vision that he shares in, in Revelation. In, in Revelation 10, um, a voice that said to John, he says, go and take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who's standing on the sea and on the land. And so John's like, so I did what he told me to. And I went to the angel and I told him to give me the little scroll. And then he said to me this, he says, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. And so John, doing what God said, he took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and he ate it. I would like to see that played out. How exactly did he do this? And it was sweet as honey in his mouth, just as God said. You know, I, um, did you guys know that I like Eugene Peterson? <laughs> there may be a small group who has a sermon bingo card and has that as one of the squares. I'll be honest, I was at Half Price Book, and I was like, it's a Eugene Peterson book I've never heard of and don't have. I bought it. And it was incredible. But I'll be honest, like Tim and Rob and I, we were joking at the title, Eat This Book, A Conversation of the Art of Spiritual Reading. Huh. And then you open the first page, and there's John speaking from Revelation 10. You kind of get the idea of why he titled it that, because that's how God wants us to treat his word. He wants us to feast on it. He wants us to be nourished by his words, to delight in them, to taste every story and savor every word. As words are assimilated and taken into the soul, eaten, chewed, and gnawed, and received in unhurried delight, Peterson writes, not, not in acquiring more knowledge, but in assimilating it taking it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love. 
right? It enters our marrow, our DNA, our very inner being of who we are, transforming every aspect of our being, understanding God more, loving him more, obeying him more, and hating every false way. Hear me. God simply wants you to turn to him, to come to him, to trust in him, to abide in him, in his word and in his will and to live out his way, to know him and to love him, knowing that you are intimately known and that you are deeply loved. Spending time with God in his word, it deepens our awareness of God and our affection for God changes the way we think, the way that we live, and the way that we view spending time with God and his word. And so I want us to put this into practice this week. Reading and memorizing, meditating on God's word by turning to one of my favorite passages in Philippians 2, a passage referred to as the Christ hymn in, in verses 5 to 11, a passage that reads a lot like, um, like a creed from the early church, confessing Christ incarnation, right? His lowering, his coming down, as well as his exaltation, his rising and being lifted up, right? It's a, it's a passage we preached from last fall in our family ministry series from a book that I uh, will likely preach through this fall when we come back after summer. And I want to read this passage to you real quick. Paul, he writes, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? That sounds like a good passage to meditate on and memorize, doesn't it? Any of them would have been. I got to pick it, though. That was a Marco, though, where I had Rob and Tim come in. Hey, what do you think about this one? So here's what I want us to do this week. I don't want us to take this text out of its context. So first, um, I want us to read. I want you, I'm asking everyone here, um, big and little, to read Philippians in its entirety at some point today. And I want you to gain an appreciation of the context of this text. And I want you to read the letter Paul intended. I want you to read it in a single sitting. It'll take you 10 to 15 minutes. And I want to invite you to use one of the reader's editions without all of the extra stuff. Um, the original Greek didn't have chapter and verse markings. It's okay. We can take that stuff away. And uh, to help you with that, we've posted on the sermon page today, which you're going to get a link to after the service is over, uh, both uh, the ESV and the message uh, written as a letter without all the extra stuff. And I want you to read that today. And if you are here and you struggle with reading for various reasons, um, a friend of mine who uh, was diagnosed with ADHD gave me a really great idea this week, something that he does occasionally when he's struggling, and that is that he listens to it being read over him as he's reading it in front of him, and it helps keep him on track. And so another thing you're going to find on the website, if you go to it, are a list of apps and websites you can go to that can do this for you. There is a link to the Dwell app. There's a link to the Bible.is app that I use. And then there's a link to the Bible Study Tools website. Uh, if you don't want to use an app, there's a website that you can go to, and the link will take you straight to the beginning of Philippians 1, and you can listen along as you read. And so I want us to read through this letter today. Then second, 
I want us to memorize this passage, the Christ hymn, verses 5 to 11. And again, memorizing, not easy. And you're going to ask us to memorize seven verses out of the gate. Guess how many days we have this week? Seven. Sometimes you don't want to answer because you're like, you already get the point. And so I just, just add a verse each day. Don't try and do it all today. Read the letter today, but today we're just going to memorize verse 5. Tomorrow, add verse 6. And if you don't know how to memorize, um, I'm going to just teach you the way I do it with the boys. They have to memorize something for school every week. And so here's how we do it. I read, they respond. I read, they respond in little chunks, and then we get into bigger chunks. And then by Thursday, when they have to say it at school, they've got it. And so you want to do that together? Does that sound like fun? Yes, that sounds like fun. So here we go. I'm going to read this first, okay? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, this time we're going to do it where I say it and you respond with that, okay? Have this mind among yourselves. No, sorry. I bad, bad instructions. My fault. That was all me. You say what I say after I say it. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That was 100% my fault. You guys were doing well. Let's try it a second time. And in the second time, I might take some things away from the screen. You ready for this? Okay. I'm waiting for that. There we go. Are you ready? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to take more words away. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to take more words away. All of them. Your turn, all at the same time. I'll say the first word to get you started, then I'm backing off. Ready? Have. You not only nailed it, you nailed it mainly in unison. Way to go. We're one-seventh of the way there. Was that that hard? No. Yeah, we can give ourselves a round of applause. Pastor Rob's our chief encourager. It's not really an office, it's just kind of an informal title. We can do this this week, can't we? You want to do it one more time? Let's do it one more time. Leave, leave, leave the blank slide up there. Ready? Have. There we go. Maybe you could like just awkwardly meet someone new to you and be like, have this mind. Don't do that. <laughs> Say your name first. Read, memorize, and then I want us to meditate on the Christ hymn each day, following the same five steps of our uh, reflective uh, Reflection that we use each Sunday, opening yourself to God, listening to God speak through his word, reflecting on what he has said, responding to what he has said, and giving thanks to what he has said, and spending time with him there. And so we close our time in God's word together each week after we've received his word, uh, reflecting on his word before responding. And so let's, let's reflect on this together. Let's, let's practice what we're going to do throughout the week, listening to God's word with an openness to the leading of God's spirit. And thanks for listening. For more audio content and information about redemption, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.